Hello and welcome to Out of Silence, a podcast in which we look at literature and silence during the lockdown. I'm Kate McLaughlin, Professor of English Literature at the University of Oxford, and I'm joined by my friend Alex Harris, who is Professor of English Literature at the University of Birmingham. Hello again, Alex. Hello, glad to be back in the silent world again. (laughs) Now, Alex, this time you have brought along a poem, or I should say part of a poem. Can you tell us what you brought to read? Well, I think one of the great thinkers about being solitary at home is the 18th century poet William Cooper, uh, who's not very much remembered now, but was a major influence, much, much loved by writers like Jane Austen and Emily Bronte, by the Romantics. School children would learn by heart his epic poem, The Task. And what's so interesting about the task is that it takes the the form that um, epic poetry about warfare had done in the past, which is in fact ostensibly about a sofa and more broadly about staying home. Uh, So I thought it could be a poem for our times and I've chosen a little passage from book three. It's perfect. And I should say that I have a great fondness for Cooper myself, not least because he wrote a poem about his spaniel swimming out to fetch a water lily. And he was so impressed that the spaniel had done this, that he wrote a poem that would immortalise it forever. So I always think, good on you, Cooper, for remembering your spaniel, for immortalising your spaniel. Okay, would you read to us then the extract from the task book three? Yes, certainly. Let's see how it goes. How various his employments, whom the world calls idle, and who justly in return esteems that busy world an idler too. Friends, books, a garden, and perhaps his pen, delightful industry enjoyed at home, and nature in her cultivated trim, dressed to his taste, inviting him abroad. Can he want occupation who has these? Will he be idle who has much to enjoy? Me, therefore, studious of laborious ease, not slothful, happy to deceive the time, not waste it, and aware that human life is but alone to be repaid with use, when he shall call his debtors to account from whom are all our blessings. Business finds even here, while sedulous I seek to improve, at least neglect not, or leave unemployed the mind he gave me driving it, though slack too oft and much impeded in its work by causes not to be divulged in vain, to its just point, the service of mankind. He that attends to his interior self, that has a heart and keeps it, has a mind that hungers and supplies it, and who seeks a social, not a dissipated life, has business, feels himself engaged to achieve no unimportant, though a silent task, A life all turbulence and noise may seem to him that leads it wise and to be praised. But wisdom is a pearl with most success sought in still water and beneath clear skies. How wonderful. So this is an extract from this poem in praise of being at home and talking about all the different things one can and should be doing when in such a situation. What is it that strikes you about it particularly? Are there any, do you have any favourite bits? I like his determined uh, redefinition of business. Business need not be going out to work in your best frock coat over London Bridge. Business can be going to your desk 
trying to write, failing to write, having a quick walk around the garden. Uh, now, we should, we should say that uh, this is going to be a galling poem for people who don't have gardens at this point, because Cooper is very emphatic that the garden is a, is a help. And I like his appreciation of the whole world folded into his personal domestic space. All the, the big fights of your life, the busyness, the noise, all of that can be found at home. And I, I'm amazed by this final image from that quotation of seeking life's pearl. What is the very meaning, the very central thing you're trying to find, that jewel, the pearl? Are you better to seek it in the crowds on the strand? Or are you better to seek it in your own living room? Quite. And he thinks the latter. So I'm interested in homing in on the message here. Is he saying that the contemplative life is to be preferred to the active life? Or is he redefining the active life? That's such a good question. He, I mean, he's the person who says that God made the country. And he thinks that the really pastoral retirement aids one's reflection, makes you kinder, makes Mm. you self-aware, aware of those around you, more concentrated on the tasks that you might achieve. He himself had had a dissipated life in the noisy world. He had been a young man about town and then had a series of really catastrophic nervous breakdowns, which came to him in the form of religious manias. He thought he was being talked to by, by God and then not talked to by God, to be ignored by God was worse. And so this poem, though it sounds rather sanctimonious and prim and smug, he's found exactly the right life. I think there's more than that going on here. Mm. This is a poem of self-defence because he has had to retreat from the world. He simply couldn't go on living in London. He could only manage this very limited kind of life. And so it's a form of desperation that drives him to find worth in it and then to suggest that others too might find yes, worth Yes, and, and absolutely there is worth in it. So it taps into what seems to me a, a, a very ancient intellectual tradition or philosophical tradition between the vita activa and the vita contemplativa, the active life and the contemplative life, which goes back to the story of Martha and Mary in the Bible, who were the sisters of Lazarus. And Jesus was invited round and Martha busied I think I've got this the right way round Martha busied herself getting everything ready for the important guest and Mary sat and at his feet and listened to him and Mary was commended for having the greater wisdom that not to busy yourself getting all the sandwiches ready and making the tea but to but to sit and listen and it's a very difficult thing actually I think to to take on that sense that doing little or doing nothing can be of service. Milton talks about it as well. They also serve who only stand and wait. And George Eliot talks about it with Dorothea, um, you know, the idea of small lives, lowly lives, matter as much as big epic lives like St. Teresa of Avila. But I think it's perfect for these times in the sense that the country seems to be divided between key workers and people who are absolutely not key, like professors of English literature. Yes. And, this, <laughs> and, and this sense that what can you do at this time? Well, actually, one contribution you can make, even though it doesn't seem much of a contribution, is stay at home. Which is the which is obviously the government message at the moment. That's it. This just just waiting and listening 
makes me think that Cooper does a lot of that, but he also wants to talk about domestic industry. Mm. Um, this 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 idea of gardening, of growing his uh, his cucumbers, his gourds, of keeping the the whole house and its and its little world ticking and tidy and trim. He has this word trim mm-hmm. cultivation and. And we are now often, well, I often find myself thinking, why am I sowing seeds? I, know, I can't even panic grow vegetables. They won't be ready by the time <laughs> I need them. And yet it feels somehow a Cooperish element of finding a form of busyness that has a quiet productivity mm. on its own terms. Mm, absolutely. absolutely. So that line that I think you paused on, no unimportant there was silent task. So it doesn't have to make a lot of noise in the world. And a silent task, I mean, it could be growing vegetables or tidying up the garden, but it can also be reflecting and, and, and reading. In earlier times, this and ongoing, this sense of that kind of activity is a form of spiritual work. And it doesn't necessarily look like practical work, but it is nonetheless a form of work and a form of performing one's spiritual duty. I think it has a really important place in histories of gender culture, actually, in that what is described in the domestic world is often being women's world. Yeah. And um, Cooper's been rather written out of literary history in the great turn to find women writers. But the subjects that he takes and makes serious mm. are the close-up elements of family love, of seeing to your neighbours, of, of keeping pets. And he really makes those the subject, the worthy subjects of, of his thinking. And he kept house with his long-term, lifelong companion, Mary Unwin. And it was a very unorthodox setup because they were friends. They were not married. And so there they are living, cohabiting in the 1780s totally radical and so there are all sort of quiet forms of resistance and radicalism i think behind Mm. the prim outer garb of this poem and did he find that way of life therapeutic as well you mentioned that he had had mental breakdowns did he find this a source of mental strength as well very much so routine was his lifeline really and he took to translation as well as to composing original poems because to keep going back to the quite repetitive task of another three lines of Homer Mm. became this way of measuring out and getting through the days and feeling that you had done something productive in them and and he would walk up and down the same gravel path he had very particular walks he would take and for a lot of people now there's a sort of discovery that the walking oh yeah is a, is a solace just having that rhythm that movement in the body can really quell mm. major forms of depression mm. and walking was absolutely part of cooper's strategy for survival and it really was for him a life or death situation it was have you survived today mm-hmm and it seems also to have nurtured his his creativity because here he is writing this epic poem the task and which he is celebrating just this kind of silent productivity he's got another wonderful phrase for it laborious ease which means i think an ease that is filled with labor as much as a, an ease that is difficult to put up with I'm so glad you identified that. And it's even better, it's studious of laborious ease. This is the subject of his study. This is his yes. university course, how to how to labour 
in his leisure. Well, that's something for us all to think about. We don't all have to compose epics like Cooper or even short poems, but it's something to think about creativity in the lockdown. And I'm sure we will come back to this in other podcasts. Alex, thank you very much again. Thank you.